We need more people to share their gifts with the world because there's a lot of fear instilled in us. There's a lot of angst and, and, and just staying in your place and being in this box of whatever society you're, you're living in. Why not push the boundaries? Why not look like a fool? Why not, why not share your gifts? All right, everybody, welcome to the Second Floor Podcast here at the end of March in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm your guest host today, Raj Dillon. I get a chance to be creative. We're flipping the seat with our guest today. He's actually the regular host of the Second Floor Podcast. We're here to learn how to survive, how to thrive, and keep the good vibes alive in your life and in your business. Our guest today is the regular host of the Second Floor, Omid Kaderi. Many of you know him. He's also known as Cassius. He's a rapper and creative director from St. Albert, Alberta. During his undergrad biology program at the University of Alberta, and I know this because I spent many years with him during this time, he desperately needed a creative outlet. Uh, starting on YouTube, 2014, he's created over 100 videos, ranging from comedic skits, music videos, and vlogs. And some of those videos total in the hundreds of thousands of views on Facebook. During this time, he started a production film company called Q Films. He's shot and edited over 500 videos for clients. He's created two rap mixtapes. I've seen him perform live. This man is an animal on stage. And he's currently working on a third musical project. Over the past year, he started at Magnolias Consulting Group. And he's a creative director. He's been there for just over seven months. He's helped brands such as the Canadian Brewhouse, Bavaria BMW, CanCom development in building their online presence. In 2019, this is one of the highlights, he directed, shot, and edited two Super Bowl commercials for the Canadian Brew House airing on CTV. Welcome, Omid, to the second floor. My man, thank you for that intro. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, man. And, and thank you for letting me be part of this special event today. You know, we get to switch seats today. We get to be a little bit more creative. You get to be a little bit uncomfortable, and so do I. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird being on the other side because I haven't really felt that. Like, it's not really a thing. You know, it's right. easy to ask other people questions and dig deep into right. them. But then right. when you're sitting, it's kind of weird, even weird to hear that, mm -hmm. you know? So It's weird to hear that? Yeah, a little really? bit. Why? A little bit. Just because you don't really think about, you don't really think about um, what you've done and what you've created over the past. Like, I, I, like all, when you asked me to kind of put something together, um, I didn't really think of all the stuff that I've done in such a short amount of time. Right. And then putting it together, I'm like, wow, I've, I've actually done these things that are, for me, it doesn't seem like such a big thing. Right. But, yeah, so. Well, well, I agree with you. When you sent it to me, and I've known you for many, many years now, when you sent it to me, even I read it, and I was inspired. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, this guy's done a lot in the last five, six years. Like a lot of has changed yeah. right, since the university days. And we're going to get to some of those topics today. Yeah. But there's been a big transition in where you were eight years ago, yeah. where you are today. Yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to exploring the journey of where you're going to go yeah. and what that means yeah. for you and for the audience today. So, yeah. so welcome. Yeah. It's very exciting. Uh, I'm going to start off just by asking you actually a couple of 
of, of questions because many of the people on, that are watching the podcast right now, they already know you and they're following you on different platforms. But I would like to start off by, by asking you, what is one or two things that the audience perhaps doesn't know about you as a person? So we're going to get to the artist later, but, but Omid Kaderi, what's, what's something the audience has no idea about you so far? Doesn't know? Yeah. Uh, Secrets, perhaps. Like a personal, like a, like a trait? Sure. Personal trait, habit, some story that you've never shared before. Tell, let's, let's get a little uncomfortable right off the bat here. Share, share something with us that we, we've not known from before. Hmm. Um, I'm kind of goofy. Okay. Yeah, so I think uh, I'm pretty, uh, with, with friends and close, close family members, I'm very open. I'm very, I feel like I'm, I do certain things and I open up pretty well with, with people such as yourself. Like we're, we're close. Right. Right, so there's there's times where I I love to just laugh and have a good time, whereas maybe people that don't really know me in that inner circle they see, you know, the rapping they see the I'm I'm a very kind of hard headed hard headed person maybe online and I look I look a certain way on on Instagram or whatever but uh, I I feel like I'm just I just like to have a good time. That's so, true. That's, that's true. That's one, yeah. I I like that and, and I can vouch for that. He, he's a jokester with a huge sense of humor. And he's a, he's a great hype man as well for, for those around him. Um, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Let's talk about your musical journey thus far. You know, you, what year was it when you first said to yourself, I'm interested in exploring music as a career? When did that journey start? I think it started in 2014. 2014. That's when I really so. like, started taking it seriously. Okay. Um, so we're about five years in roughly to that journey so far. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so beforehand I had started, right? I was writing and whatnot, right. but it wasn't really a thing where I could see it being something or even putting myself out there in that sense. Okay. Uh, and then 2014, I said, you know what? I went to a J. Cole concert, actually. J. Cole? J. Cole, okay. yeah. And that was the trigger because I saw him uh, when he was performing Born Sinner, yeah. which is one of... Like, sure. like it's a amazing. classic, amazing. right? Yeah. Uh, each one of those songs was like a relation to his life or some sort of experience. Okay. And I don't actually go to many concerts. Mm -hmm. And he's just one of those guys where like I have to go because he inspires me. Where was the concert? It was at Shaw Conference. Okay. So this was back before he was like this big J. Right. Cole, like right. he's selling out arenas now. So how many people were in the audience? I would say probably like... A thousand. This is a, a small concert. It's small. Okay. Yeah. So it was like a thousand, like yeah. 1,300 people. Sure. Um, and I was like right at the front and him just, you could just see like even being part of that crowd, just everyone was mesmerized, right? He had his band, he, just the way he was performing. I was mesmerized. I was like, wow, like being able to perform such deep, they're not mainstream songs by any means. So like being able to perform that and every, every person's just like rapping every word. And, and they knew the lyrics. They knew the lyrics and yeah. it's just people are going crazy. And I was like, you know what? I want to try this because okay. I feel like I might be good with words. Right. And, um, and then that's when I started taking it seriously. I dropped my first music video in 2014 okay. and that was World Injustice. Yeah. So that was, that was a huge pivotal moment because I wasn't sure how people were going to react. Right. I wasn't sure how I would feel putting myself out there. And I felt like a fool, to be honest, when I released it. I, people have always knew me as this introverted brown guy, yeah. you know, from St. Albert, doesn't really talk much, just plays ball and works hard. Mm -hmm. You know, that was my, that was where I was supposed to be. 
And then when I put myself out there and I started, I started getting so self-aware of myself. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I want now? Now I'm in university. I'm okay. I'm on this path of education, just like everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the same sort of path. I'm still competing with everyone else, but I didn't feel like that's what I just wanted to do. I didn't want to just chill and coast. I needed something else that I could put my mind to. And I felt that the creative route, or, or at least making music, was at least I can control that myself. I didn't need an external factor to make a, make a song. I can do all of it on my own. Um, and then that was what triggered it. And when I released it, then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with the criticism. I'm okay with that fear sure. of putting myself out there. Now it's just, okay, let's just tr continue to push this. Right, so. right. There's so many things in that story that, that I resonate with and that I want to I ask you about. <clears throat> I'll, start with, I'll start with maybe, you know, why, why did you go to the J. Cole concert? What, what inspired you about his music and why did you choose that, that event? Was it just because it was a Friday night with buddies or was there something particular about that? No, it, 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 was, it was because the music that I was listening to before his real, like all of his real albums are on Spotify and stuff, but the stuff that he's made prior, the mixtapes sure. that aren't on Spotify, yeah, you can't access it, you have to go and search up. The music that he created was from a source of pain. Okay. You know, he was going through university, same thing, mm -hmm. and he, he, left his, he, he left his hometown to go to university, but his main thing was getting a record deal, okay. trying to get on Jay-Z's label, okay. right? So he went, he did his schooling, but in the meantime, he was working a job for $10 an hour. Yeah. And he couldn't, even, he couldn't pay his rent because the, the money he was making he was putting right back into the music. Right. He was lucky because his landlord... Uh, was like that's okay. Just we, be I believe in you. That's okay if you're a couple months late on your rent, right? Um, but he put all his heart and energy and soul. And you can literally, when you listen to the mixtape, you can literally go from song to song. And he's going through his story. Right. It's insane because you all, you can literally visualize this kid coming from a small town, going to a big city, mm -hmm. graduating, and then going on the streets trying to sell his. His CD and, and, and calling these record labels and saying, "Listen, like I'm the next, right. I'm the next thing," right. and then, and then him making it was obviously like mm -hmm. huge, right? Um, so I resonated with that story so much because I'm like, "Well, why stay in my box? Why stay? Why stay doing what everyone else is doing?" But not only that, that's not the main source. But I feel like when I was a kid, I used to, I used to sing songs I used to I used to dream very very big my mom this is actually one story that people don't know but um, my mom would bring VHRs or uh, like videos yeah. of video cassettes of Michael Jordan yeah. like documentaries and stuff because she knew how much I loved basketball sure. and I would come and ask her every time I'd watch it I'd be like mom am I dark enough yet like Michael Jordan. Right. So I would wear the jersey, I would go out and play all day, and I would ask, come back and ask, am I there yet? Because I thought if I was black, I would, I would be at that level. Like, that's how inspired I was, even at that point. Even at that time, I was thinking about all these little, like, details of, like, trying to make it big and dreaming that. You were trying to emulate other stars. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I was 15, actually, between the ages of, like, probably like 13 and 16, 17, I was actually writing a journal every single day. Okay. So I would, I would finish school and I would go to my parents' work because mm -hmm. they would pick me up and I, I couldn't go home because yeah. 
I, I, I had to come and help right. my parents at their this business. Is the tailor shop. The tailor shop, yeah. yeah. My parents own a tailor shop and they've still owned it. It's, you know, it's, it's successfully running as a small family business. Yeah. But I would come and help out, but I'd also have this period of time where I had nothing to do. Sure. So I would take out the journal and I'd write about my day because I had, I had nothing to do. But then I would write, I would write about my days and I would write about where I want to be. So the first thing was NBA player. Yeah. I, I was so into like, I'm going to play pro. And I wrote that. I wrote my goals. And it was like, the first one was an NBA player. The second one was an actor. Okay. And the third one was musician. And then the fourth one was being like a philanthropist or like helping out. I actually still have that journal today. Yes, yes. You I still st- have it? I still have it. I still have where I wrote it. And it was in 2000, like 2003 or 2002 okay. or something like that. So t- yeah, you need to keep, you hold on to that. Yeah. For sure. Where is it? I, it's at home somewhere. Some, in a yeah. safe place. Somewhere there, yeah. safe place. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I mean, that's very special, right? You think about like the most successful stories of um, leaders in our world, uh, entrepreneurs, musicians, uh, world activists. It's, it's always interesting for the public to see where they came from. And having a journal is like a symbol of that. Yeah. Right? So certainly keep, keep hold of that. Yeah. And I want to go back to the music. Um, you mentioned J. Cole's story. It was almost like a poet writing a story yeah. and sharing it with the audience at the same time. Right, it was like you, the audience is receiving this story from a poetic place. Yeah, and you did that in university. You you emulated some of that, and your angst was expressed in your music. Yeah. And World Injustice, maybe for those in the audience that haven't yet heard it or seen it, is a song about angst. It's a song about what's going on in our society right now, in our world right now, the good and the bad. And that was actually about four years ago. Yeah, it so was. It's even, if you wrote World Injustice 2, yeah. it would be probably even more prolific than it was then. Yeah. So tell us about World Injustice. What's, where did it come from? Where did your ideas and, and why did you put that out there? Uh, by the way, the fact that you receive criticism is not a bad thing. Jay-Z says, you referenced Jay-Z earlier, Jay-Z says you haven't re- arrived until you have some haters, right? Yeah. So, so having criticism probably meant you arrived to a degree. Yeah. But tell us about World Injustice. Where did it come from and why did you choose that particular project right off the bat? I think I wanted to make sure that my first song that I ever released was something that was meaningful, number yeah. one. Okay. Uh, number two, it had to be something that I could relate to obviously from a personal perspective and I felt like that some like other people need to relate to it as well not just me so meaningful and had to be relatable and at the time um, at the time there there was a war going on with Palestine and I think it was the US or or there was some sort of war going on and they just they just crushed that country right like there was just havoc going on and um, and it was a really, like my friends that are from that country kind of were in, in that kind of depressed kind of feel and like feeling, feeling pain or whatnot. So that was like a thing of, okay, well, I want to, I want to write about that. And at least it would be a testing of my lyrical ability and being able to write a story about something that I could still relate to, but also is like about the world or about something that was relatable that people could. Sure. Yeah. So there's so, a level of social justice that's involved in your song. Exactly. And I felt like I didn't want to just create like a trap song. I didn't want to create like a, a song about girls or a song about me. I didn't want to have it for like a selfish reason. I just wanted to figure out 
if I, I want to create a good song that people listen to and people can vibe to, yeah. right? And there's a lot of rappers and a lot of people that can rap and a lot of people that can sing, but can they make a good song? Right. Can they make a good track? Can, can they listen to that and say, oh, yeah, that, the audio is good, the, the meaning, the lyrics are good, it's a, there's a catchy chorus. So if you listen to that song, there, there's all, that, all those elements. Mm-hmm. The, lyric, the lyrics are there, yeah. there's a catchy chorus. Right. It's relatable, and the, the, the audio is, is high. I agree. There's a level of intellect and, and um, analysis of what was going on in the world at the time that you wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. you wanted to share. It's bringing up a conversation. Yeah. It's making people think about it, and they might debate. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. The debate is the point, the journey, right? Yeah. Drop the chorus for us really quick here. Just give us a little bit of the chorus so that people uh, can hear that. In a world of hate, it is not too late for the struggles we wish to eliminate. Amazing, yeah. amazing, so and, that's the, that's and it's the it's not not nearly as as energetic as on stage, but but no. it's still the, 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 you <laughs> can still see the in his eyes. Right now, you can man, still yeah. see it in his eyes. He's having his first cup of coffee. Yeah. You can still see it in his eyes that the, the passion's there. But certainly, when when I I listened to you and I watched you perform that track on stage at U of A campus, and it was in the midst of what eight or ten other performers on that evening. Some of them were dancers, and some of them were musicians. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember I walked in with Deepa, my wife, and we sat down and we sat with Toddy, one of our good friends. And when you dropped that track is when the crowd got hype. Mm-hmm. There was a dancer earlier where the crowd got hype, and there was that track where the crowd got hype, right? So I think that, that track is very, a very poignant first track that you released. Yeah. Uh, let's go further in the sure. story. So, so you dropped this track 2014. It's about five years ago. You're still in university at the time. Yeah. And, and where does that take you? What are kind of some of the next steps that happen to you, musically speaking? Musically speaking, I had to figure out a way to drop my music in a, in a proficient, an efficient manner. Right. Uh, so figuring out audio software, figuring out how to record, how to... Because the song World Injustice cost me $600. Okay. And as a university student, that's a lot. Sure. I can't. Sure. You know, going to school full time and working sure. a part time job—that's your paycheck. Right you, there. you can't be putting out six hundred dollars every week. Exactly. Track, right. Exactly. Okay. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I reduce this cost big time? Yeah. How can I record myself and find someone else or some other people that were interested in the music and in me that are willing to maybe bring that price down heavily yeah. so I can drop tracks. And then at the same time, I wanted to be on YouTube because YouTube was popping off. Okay. So I see all these YouTube stars, you know, Fousey Tube, Superwoman, Lily Singh. Like she's, right now she has a show on NBC. That's right, that's right. She's, at that time, she was inspiring me yeah. to basically get on YouTube. Okay. So I was like, okay, how do I make my music videos myself? Because right. I like video. So mm-hmm. that was when I started experimenting with cameras. And getting into it, well, I need to reduce this cost heavily. I can't be paying $1,000 per music video. That's just not going to work. So how do I reduce the cost? And how do I make this efficient so I can just make my own videos, make my own music? And I started finding people. I started going to coffees with people. I started networking heavily. And uh, and then the freshman came about. So the freshman was my first mixtape that I put together. And... I believe that what I had lyrically and what I had musically was good, but as far as an quality, as far as like audio quality wise goes, it, it wasn't to that standard. It wasn't like radio quality. It wasn't like, 
So this is prior to the freshman, or you felt the freshman wasn't the freshman of the quality? Was. Yeah. The so freshman was of the high the, quality. No, it wasn't. Was not. It wasn't. Okay. Yeah. So, so you dropped this first mixtape. It's called the freshman, and it, you feel that it's lyrically and and musically sound. Yeah. But production-wise, not quite there. Yeah. So the okay. guys that the guy that I was working with at the, at the time was a student as well, okay. and his production skills weren't at that level sure. of of producing you know yeah. like studio quality material okay. which is fine but and at the time i was very like i needed to get it out because it was it was it was dragging on for that year yeah. and i was like you know what i just august 1st i need to drop this and i had to i had to lay that down and i had to send it off into the universe and say and tell everyone august 1st i'm going to drop it and actually the he sent me the entire uh mixtape at like three o'clock in the morning yeah on july 31st Yes. <laughs> so that's how rushed it was. It was so rushed right, that right. we, I couldn't, I couldn't even listen to my own project right. before releasing but it. But you had to release. I had to release. It, it was to just something. True. It was just something that I had to do. Sure. And so I was like, I don't care what it is. I need to drop this. I mean, I think that getting that monkey off your back, even though you might not have had the chance to see it or listen to it fully, or, you know was a necessary step yeah right because yeah. you probably would have got it and you probably would have listened to it for 30 more days fixing things and fine-tuning things because the project is never done yeah. you, you would have continued working on it so so kudos to you for following yeah. through yeah even though it might have not been you know, your polished product so to speak yeah and like a couple songs on there were f not from him and they were from a different studio and you can tell the sound difference okay. with time was one of those right. You know, with time was a it was a, it was one of those songs that I resonated with very much so, and yeah. I wanted the quality to be mint. Okay. And distance was another one. So there was a couple singles on there that were super high quality, and then there are the song, the other rest of the tracks weren't. Okay. So if someone listened to that uh, that mixtape, I mean, what the hell's going on here? Sure. Right. So sure. If somebody it, technically sound listened to it, sound they might have picked out the differences. Yeah. Okay. So. Tell us about about with time or distance. You just pick one of them. Um, you know, what is the why are those tracks so meaningful to you? And what's the, what's the story? I love them both, by the way. But, yeah. But we, let's go with distance first. Sure. Why is distance, like, what, what's the message you're trying to send with that track? Well, the whole thing was, like, I wanted to push my lyrical ability. Yeah. And each verse has its own uh, kind of flow That's right. to it. But also, at the same time, uh, make something that was a, a more modern sound. Sure. So all the other stuff that I created is more old school. Yeah. Like I like old school. You've got that, that 90s vibe. It's very yeah, much so. Right. I like the boom bap. I like the 90s stuff. But I know that a lot of millennials and people that are coming up in this age, they can't relate to that. Sure. And I still like the trappy stuff. I still like the modern. Mm -hmm. But I don't like, it doesn't like get me as sure. much as... It doesn't like, get you as fired up. Exactly. So okay. I had to push myself and say, I need to make something like this. I Absolutely. need to push that boundary. Okay. So distance was really just a fun track. Okay. Really, that was that's what that was. Yeah. What it was. Okay. And it almost feels like when you listen to it that there's almost there's three or four songs in the same track. That's yeah. Almost how it feels yeah. when you listen to it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that it was a fun track. It was also pushing you outside your comfort zone. Yeah. So let's go to with time. Yeah. What's the message behind with time? And, and it almost feels like there might have been the same reason. You wanted to push yourself outside the comfort zone. I did, yeah. And actually at the time, um, I was in a weird relationship with a girl. Yeah. And 
Every great track comes from that background. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's like, always there's like a million great tracks that come from, <laughs> oh, I was in a, in a weird relationship. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I, tell I would us, even tell say, yeah, I, was more of a fr I would say it's more of a friendship. Okay. But in my head, it was, it was something a lot more than that. Right. And so, and I've had this friendship with this girl for a very long time. And it was very weird because we went out in high school. Okay. And then we met back in university. Okay. And... Um, I would, I spent a lot of my time and effort and I put my pride down for this person. Okay. I, I really tried to change myself for this person. So when that fell through and, I, and there was basically around the end of, end of university where it was when it was completely cut off, but it really, it didn't really click to me because I always thought that I was going to, if I persevere, you know, if I, if I still keep trying with this person that... They'll, they'll come through and see me for who I see myself sure. and see that this could work yeah. somehow. Right. Uh, and, and totally in my head, again, dreaming, yeah. visualizing, thinking about, and I saw a future with this person, right? So when that didn't happen and the reality hit me like a brick wall yeah. and it's like, this is not going anywhere, mm -hmm. it's over with, the pain came in and, okay. the, and the anger came in and the self-reflection came in. And all that hit me at the same time, and I was yes. in this really, really weird mood. And I actually had this discussion with you when yes. around that time. Yes, it was it was the night of actually. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I actually came to your place, yeah. and I kind of just let it off yeah. on you. That next day, those three days, I wrote with time. Right. Within those three days, and it wasn't even three days. It was like literally that night. It was more more twenty four hours. It was more twenty four yeah. hours. Literally wrote it and. And was like, hey, this is this is I need to I need to drop this now because yeah. the emotion. That's right. It was very. It's a very raw, and sincere track. Mm -hmm. It's a very raw and sincere track. Yeah. It's very genuine. Yeah. And and the fact, if people know that you wrote it in 24 hours, it was actually probably more like 12 hours. Yeah. It's really probably less than that. Math, it was. Do you want to share? When you said it broke down and you knew that this is not going to happen, yeah. how how did you hear that news? Let Let's share that. Okay. So. I'll, I haven't shared this with anyone, but let's especially, share the especially not publicly. Yeah. So what happened was, was I was actually working on my car okay. in, in my garage. It was yeah. summertime. Yeah. And, uh, and she comes, she pulls up into the, into the driveway okay. with her mom. And um, I'm on the phone with Toddy. Okay. So I'm on the phone and I'm, I'm in my own zone trying to work on my car, working, working on my bumper. And um, I feel a kick. And, and, and then I look and it's her and I'm like this is weird because she never just shows up to my place like that right. you know brown girls don't just show up to a person's like a, a yeah. guy's house like yeah. that right sure um, <laughs> uh, but she shows up and you know we're like oh hi how are you you know the small talk whatever and then she hands me a card okay and she's like I want I want you to attend my wedding my What's wedding that? My okay. wedding, yeah. Okay. So she's like, I'm getting married next month. I would, lo I, I would love for you to be there. Right, right. And I was on the phone with Toddy, and he, Toddy's just like screaming, who is that, who is that? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just like star, like I'm just like, I'm just shocked. Like the shock just hits me. Um, and she knew, obviously, right? She knew what she was doing. Um, but I had to ha hang up the phone with Toddy. Of course. And then um, I was like, Okay, like, I didn't really say much. And she's like, okay, well, I got to go. I got more cars to send yeah, off. I have, more, I have more invitations to deliver. I got more invitations to deliver. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. And 
she left very quick, so it happened in a split second. I couldn't even, I didn't even have time to process it. Yeah. Uh, and then when she left with her mom, uh, I just stood there for a good like five, ten minutes, and I was like, "What just happened?" And then I could feel it in my body, you know, very visceral, very painful experience. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I came to see you. Yeah. First, that was the first thing I came to. I just couldn't think. It was, it was a, so it, I know it was angst-filled and very uncomfortable and and visceral, like you said. Yeah. Um, but in hindsight, now that we're many years beyond that. Yeah. And you didn't go to the wedding. Let's no. Just put that out there. <laughs> no, I didn't. You did not go to the wedding. I did, I did not. No, there was no attendance, no RSVP. No. no thank you, right? No. And, and that's all good uh, for the right reasons. And, and in hindsight, that led to a creative outlet. It led to um, a place where you were able to express yourself and push yourself outside your comfort zone and, and, and actually create an amazing product. It actually helped me. I think it was one of the greatest things that happened. There we go. Um, it was because I was holding on to something that wasn't working for a very long time. Yeah. And I was essentially crazy and obsessed with the, with the idea of that this was going to work. Right. And then when it didn't happen, I had this whole eruption of motivation and things that I wanted to do now. And women and girls were put to a very, very low priority. Yeah. And I just went pretty much insanely hard on all my creative mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. you know work, making sure my videos got better making sure you know building the q films you know making q films and and making videos for people and i just went i just went to work i just wanted to right. to to prove that you know i'm not if i'm not I, how am i not good enough for this person mm-hmm. maybe i'm the issue maybe what i'm doing is the issue right. maybe i am not good enough maybe who i think i am i'm not Right, because I, I was in my head at the time, right? Maybe in my head I wasn't that person that I thought I was, yeah. right? And and she saw that, and it wasn't something that could connect. Right. Um, so I knew I had to work on myself, and I wanted to work on myself, and I just needed to, I needed that to go away and to to not latch onto that, so I can latch on to yeah. the stuff that I'm working on now. Well, so, you you were able to redirect your energy. Wherever that, whatever that energy was that you were putting in one place, correct. You were able to redirect it into five or six other places and, and go pretty hard yeah. in those places, and that's very special. That's very special. So, so seeing now, now we're kind of going into 2015, 2016, yeah. right? Yeah. And you've had a mixtape released, and you've had um, some online presence with YouTube, and you've had uh, a couple of local performances now. Right, live performances where you've been on the mic on stage, some solo and some with others. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you start to see the journey and some of the results becoming fruitful? Did you start to see that, you know, the, uh, I was a young kid writing poetry in my mom and dad's uh, tailor shop, and now I'm putting the poetry to work on a microphone, and I'm in front of fans, and the fan base is starting to grow. Did you start to realize it at that point, or was it still kind of surreal? I think it was still more in the surreal sense. Okay. I don't think, I think I was just trying to push the dream okay. and, and putting myself in uncomfortable positions. Okay. When I performed at Nate in front of 400 people mm-hmm. and it was packed, yeah. you know, people were standing and that was not my, my gig, you know, it was a, for a comedy show, yeah. but when Bilal, our, our, our friend, asked me to, to, to perform, yeah. I, and I had to say yes, you know, because 
I had to put myself, I've never, I've performed maybe in front of 50, max, maybe 100 people, yeah. right? So 400 was a completely different level. And I knew that if I wanted, if I really was serious about the music and I really was serious about getting out of my comfort zone and really serious about pushing that boundary, I knew I had to perform there. So performing that and doing really well even got me to that, like that confidence is so much more there. Like, I'm so much more confident as a person. That's what rap gave me. If, if, if the rap stuff, if the music shit doesn't turn into anything, yeah. what it gave me was building my self-confidence, building my character, right. pushing myself into, into, a, into a pool of uncertainty. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, and really, I'm not afraid of that anymore. You know, I'm not afraid of performing in front of 400 people if I need to. I'll be nervous, but I won't be as like... I won't be as like angst, angstful. I'll be more excited more than ever. Sure, there we right? go. So now it's like pushing again, continuing to climb that ladder of mm-hmm. of of goals and just crossing that off the bucket list. Yeah. Like yes, I did perform in front of this many people. Okay, now it's a thousand. Now it has to be ten thousand. Uh, making a musical project. Okay, now I have to make. I want to do a collaborate collaborative project with a different artist. Uh, get, get pushed the bound. Keep continue to push my boundaries so that. No matter what situation I'm in, whether it's creative or not, if I'm in a meeting, if it's a corporate meeting, if it's, a, if it's, a, if it's something where there's a head honcho of some sort of company, that I'm not, I'm not sitting there twiddling my thumbs, that I'm confident in myself and what I bring to the table. Right. So, <clears throat> it's, a, it's interesting that you bring up previously fear, and now you said, I'm no longer afraid. Yeah, right? So fear, fear has gone, gone away. away. Yeah. And now you chose the word excitement. Right? So you've chosen excitement over fear, or you've found a way to be excited instead of afraid. Um, why, why did you, why did you, you know, go through that in such a way? Like, why were you so fearful before? And I, I'm asking this question actually partly because there's probably some people watching yeah. who are currently afraid yeah. of something or someone. Or, or, you know, and there, there comes a point in time where you need to put that away. Yeah. And you need to transition into a different emotion. So I'd like you to speak on that. I'd like you to share that more for the audience. How do you go about doing that? How do you make that happen? Give, give some advice. So I'll, I'll take it back a little bit and say where I come from, a, a family that is very conservative. Okay. Not, my family does not, is not like how I am. Right. Very conservative, very kind of linear path in life. You know, do the things necessary to have a good life. Yeah. You know, um, so when I was growing up, the fear was always instilled in me, you know, Omid, you got to go to school. Omid, you got to get good grades. Omid, you got you to get a good job, right? Like the path, the life script was there for me, pre-made. And because my parents had a very difficult time in their own life, coming here mm-hmm. was another beginning, a new opportunity. Yeah. So if me as being their child didn't take that on and not be successful in their eyes in the conservative way then I was essentially wasting the opportunity so you, that I had you were a failure in, in, those, in those lenses and that was that was another fear right yeah. that was a big fear right. when I was growing going through university was I'm going to let my father down mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm going to let my parents down like I don't like what I'm doing I'm and, and, and for those that don't know like, let's yeah. just pause here for a second for those that don't know this is especially true because you're the eldest I'm the eldest son mm-hmm of an Afghani family. Yeah. Like those are three huge factors, right? Yeah. If you were the middle child or, you know, um, in that culture, a daughter even, yeah. it, it would have been, been a little different. 
the yeah. lens would have been a little skewed. Yeah. But the eldest son of an Afghani family and, and a typical immigrant story yeah. coming to Canada and, and with five dollars in my pocket, that story, yeah. uh, that's very real for your mom and your dad. Yeah. And so we have to acknowledge that that's their reality and, and good for them. Yeah. That's, that's their job and yeah. they've lived their purpose. And, and good for you, finding a way to reconcile it. Yeah. Like you, had to, you couldn't ignore them, but at the same time, you can't only follow their path. You no. have to follow your own path. And that was, that, and that was my biggest internal conflict going into, in, in, into university, right. like through university. And, 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 and a lot of people, and I know a lot of people my age are still in that internal conflict, right? They want to start a podcast or they want to start something or they want, they want to rap or they want to be very creative or do something that's completely 360. And they, they will not take that action strictly because it's so out of, their, out of their inner circle, their conservative family, that their friends might look at them differently, that their family might look at them differently, that they might be shamed. So doing... When I started the rapping, my father didn't like it at all. No. My, there was a huge backlash. People it's didn't know that. It it's was very like, like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you embarrassing me by putting yourself onto YouTube? Sure. Why are you doing this? It's so outside of his box. Yes, that it's he's, not, he's never even fathomed this no, thought. There's nothing that comprehends rapping. Like, there's nothing that says, oh, this, this makes sense. Right, right, right. There's no ta- Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right? Like, so it, doesn't, it doesn't match any of his constructs in his mind previously. Yeah. So you're trying to create a construct in his mind that doesn't exist. Correct. And, and, and that's yeah. hard. Yeah. Because he's, he's a grown adult. Yeah. With children. And he's brought his brothers to Canada. He's been a very successful man. Yeah. So for you to try to create a construct for him, he's like, it just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And, it, it, and that fear of having acceptance from my father and, and him accepting that that I want to be creative and I want to push, I want to push this. It was very, very difficult. That was the biggest thing. And then, and even to this day, he doesn't really understand what I do. Even as, even as a career sense, you know, with the videos, he doesn't understand, like, you can make money with this, right? Because the digital, the, the, the online world has just, the last 10 years, just been fruitful. He didn't grow up with that. He didn't, he didn't grow up with that. So it doesn't make sense. The, the path of an engineer, doctor, you know, the typical, makes sense. That is the epitome of success. So when I didn't take that route, even to this day, there's a little bit of backlash and there's a little bit of, oh, you can still go to school, you're still young. Take the advantage and get a master's degree. Take the advantage and get your PhD, which I feel in a lot of in a lot of ways that I can still, I could do that if I put all my energy and effort to it. If I gave up my side business, if I gave up my career with Magnolias, if I gave up music, and I put all my energy into becoming an optometrist or, or, or doing something in a, in a professional, medical professional, I could be successful. Yeah. But I know that it doesn't align with, with me, the frequency w- within me. Okay. It just doesn't, I know that I will just be pushing it just to make my parents happy. Right, right. it's beautifully said. Yeah. I think it's very important to pursue passions, careers, hobbies, interests that align with you. Yeah. And the way that you said it with, you know, you pointed at your heart when you said it, yeah. it's very real yeah. and you have to find that. The fact that you were journaling at 13 or 14 years old regularly yeah. has probably helped you get there a little faster than other people yeah. um, your age, yeah. right? So I think you've got a bit of a head start in that respect. So let, let's go back to the story because yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of on a good, a good path here. So, yeah. so you're at you're at, let's take it to like 2017, 2018, maybe even this year. Yeah. What has changed, 
you dropped your second mixtape. I that did. That was a change, right? I did. So tell us what the difference between the first mixtape and second mixtape. And, and that was quite a big step. It was. Right? So share with the audience, share with us, what was the big difference between the freshman and the second mixtape is called? The Rendezvous. The Rendezvous. Yeah. So The Rendezvous was a collaborative project right. with, with my guy Shaq Bruce. Right. Um, the difference between the freshman and the rendezvous was, number one, it was collaborative. So I had to kind of be influenced by another artist and, and, and try to understand that person and try to work together on a, on a musical project, what I'd obviously never done before. And then number two, the production was night and day. So if you listen to the rendezvous and you listen to, to the freshman, the audio production, the quality is just more enjoyable to the ears. Yeah. You listen to it and you're just like, oh man, this is... You might not like the music, but you, you can listen to it and say, yeah, that's good quality. Yeah. And then thirdly, it was a fun project. With the freshman, it was more conscious and trying to uh, put everything on the table. You know, yeah. relationships, family, you know, coming up, anxiety, all these things were mm, a story. Whereas and there's some pressure attached to that. There's, there's pressure. Some, there's some, which can be good or bad, but there's, there's, a, there's something you carry on your shoulders yeah. as you go through that. Okay. So that was, so the rendezvous was more of a fun project and there was no expectation of it. Right. Which allowed it to just be fun. Right. Which s triggered my inner child. Okay. You know, triggered that like, you know, why I kind of started this because I enjoy it. Yes. Right. Yes. So the songs on there are, there's no expectation. There's more, it's more fun. It's more trappy. It's more yeah. modern. It's yeah. more just like, you know, three guys in a studio just hanging out, listening to a good beat and then just rapping, rapping their hearts up. Right, that's what the rendezvous was, and and so I needed to do that because I needed to understand how to work with other people musically, okay. and and number two to see if I could create just like a fun tape and see how that would turn out versus something that was very I was putting pressure on myself to get these songs the right way and the lyrics the right way and the chorus the right way versus something that I'm working with someone else. So the expectation that I have, I can't place on that person. Right. I can't throw my expectations on that person when I'm working with two other people. Yeah. You know, my guy Tolu, who produced it, he produced it beautifully. It sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And then Shaq, who brings another background, a different sort of rap style. Yeah. To do that with two other guys and not have any expectation whatsoever just kind of took that off my shoulders a little bit the pressure and just to see what I can well and you share the pressure right you it's, share. Not, it's not only yours yeah it's two guys carrying it instead of one yeah or maybe three guys carrying it instead of one yeah you're, you're very inquisitive by nature and the fact that you you know wanted to just explore something novel you know I've done the pressure angst um, you know uh, uncomfortable story now I want to do the fun story that's, that's, there's some novelty to that. And I think your next project will be even more novel. Yeah. And it will continue to, to explore those, those new boundaries, so to speak. And that's one of the, the, one of the landmarks of every great artist. Yeah. Every great sustainable long artist. Sustainable, right? yeah. Not a one-hit wonder, but yeah. the sustainable long artists continue to write new material. Yeah. And it's novel. And it's creative, right? Yeah. Okay, so what's next? Now that we know the two mixtapes are there, are you, willing to, are you willing to open up a little bit and tell us what's coming next? in the musical world for Cassius? The next thing for Cassius is it'll be kind of like the freshman, but a mix. It'll okay. be a mix of, it will be a mix of both the freshman and rendezvous kind of feel. Okay. So there will be tracks on there that will, that will very be very personal to myself, okay. but there will also be fun tracks on there. So trying to figure out, I, I really want to be versatile with this and I don't want to put, 
the way I did it before was very cookie cutter. Okay. You know, on this one, I'm I'm taking more time uh, on the project. I'm not I'm not putting a pressure of saying, okay, I need to get X amount of songs done at this time and then release at this time and promote at this time and have a music video at this time. Right. That was the freshman because I had no content. I had no videos. I had nothing on my YouTube channel. So in my head, I have all these ideas. In my head, I feel like I'm there. But I'm not because mm-hmm. the world doesn't see that. Right? right? So this project is going to be essentially a mix. Okay. And, and is it collaborative? It will be. There will be a couple tracks that will be. But it'll, be, it'll, still be, it'll be an individual yeah. project. Okay. But there will be collaborations. Okay. Roughly when can we expect it? Roughly probably end of summertime. Okay, summertime. so summer, fall 2019. Yeah. Okay, so this year. Yeah. Okay, so we could watch for it. Yeah. Okay, you'll let us know when, of course. when you're ready. Of course. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, in addition to, you brought up, you brought up um, the world didn't know me yet. You know, that, that, that line. Yeah. So, so this is one of my favorite questions. Okay. Why? Why do you want the world to know your music? Damn, that's... <laughs> That's a, that's a tough question. Um, I, I think that one of the things that really resonates with me is a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he says, there's a very good quote that he says that really, really hit me early on. Okay. And he says, you could be the greatest artist, you know, you could be the greatest doctor, you could be the greatest architect, be the greatest bodybuilder. But if nobody knows about you, you're nothing. Okay. Now, that maybe can be taken out of context for a lot of people, but I feel like if you have a gift, or if you have some sort of gift or talent or skill or service that you can provide for people, whether that's entertaining, it doesn't have to be music, whether that's helpful, I feel like sharing it with other people is, is very important because a lot of people need that and a lot of people admire that and we need more people to share their gifts with the world because there's a lot of fear instilled in us there's a lot of angst and 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 just staying in your place and being in this box of whatever society you're you're living in Mm -hmm. why not push the boundaries why not look like a fool why not why not share your gifts you could be the best lawnmower you know you could be the best window cleaner why not share it on, why not share it online? Why not share it with people? Why not put it on your put it on your on your sleeve mm-hmm. and, and be prideful of it? Right. Because you never know what another person seeing you doing your thing, what they might do. You know, what what they them seeing you do your thing will inspire them, just like the ones before me. You know, the people that I'm J. Cole, Arnold, these guys that are big, big names. Even not like yourself. You know, you inspire me every day. You know, doing your thing and good you. physio. Physiotherapy is not even, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm such an outsider to that world. But you just doing your thing inspires me to be like, okay, I need to, I need to throw myself into the music. I need to throw myself into the videos, right? And, and I, I, I knew that I, I, I need to do that just for, the, just for that sake of yeah. just like sharing it with the world. Whether that turns into something, whether that, whether that affects one person or not. I know that I need to share it because it's my story. And <clears throat> it sounds like you're describing this this concept of an inner purpose. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right? Like, I was actually going to ask you why, why, why about four more times, <laughs> but, but you actually answered all of them. So it sounds like you went into this inner purpose place. Yeah. It, it ultimately, it boils down to it's meant to be for you. Yeah. And that's part of your journey. And that's self-actualization. Yeah. And that's it. And now that might lead to, and it will lead to inspiring others. Yeah. And, that, and you don't know, you might not even know. They might yeah. not reach out to you and message you. They might not tell you. But you should know that it is making an impact to them. Yeah. <clears throat> and it might lead to a revenue stream. Yeah. It might not. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I think that's one of the things that you're, there's a dichotomy between what your father and your mother uh, believe and, and the constructs they have had yeah. and grew up with. And then yeah. this new era of the, all of their children, you're the eldest, yeah. but all of their children are going to push their boundaries and make yeah. them uncomfortable. And that story is common in many respects these days, especially for, yeah. for younger people, right? Yeah. So, so let's talk about revenue streams. You know, for those that don't know, my kids now are 10, 9, 6, and 1, right? We don't have cable at home. And part of that was just because I said we're not going to have cable, <laughs> right? So part of it was Raj driven. Yeah. But there was an, a new, a little unique nuance that took place. Last week, I asked my daughter, Amaria, what are you watching on the iPad? She said, YouTube. I said, what do you watch on YouTube? She said, oh, some stuff. And she avoided my question. And I said, oh, what stuff? Like, as a father, I'd like to know that it's safe and appropriate. Of and also, I might be engaged in what she's watching, and I might want to watch it with her. Yeah. So tell me what the heck it is. Yeah. And she said she's watching, she follows a couple of different YouTubers. So I went to the next room and I asked my nine-year-old, what are you watching? YouTube. What are you watching on YouTube? Contortion. Okay, so she's, watch, she's a gymnast and she's watching a contortionist on YouTube. Right. Okay, so I go ask Vidane, six years old, what are you watching? YouTube. What are you watching on YouTube? And there's something that he's following where this evil villain is taking down the internet and these characters try to chase him down and capture the villain. Yeah. But it's showcased on YouTube, yeah. not on cable, not on satellite. Not, that's the platform. So, so you're in the YouTube world yeah. and in that, in that ecosystem. Yeah. What the heck is going on? Tell us what's happening on YouTube and what's going on now and where it's going. Well, YouTube is the next cable. Okay. You know, it is, is it cable now? It's the cable now. It's not, not even next. next. It's, next. So it's already it, there. It, it doesn't matter if you cut the cable. Right. You know, it's, exactly. it's on the iPad. That's right. It's on the, you know, the iPhone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the next TV, okay. you know, and it's getting, technology is getting closer and closer to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming onto our wrist and then, it, you yeah. know, eventually go into our eyes and eventually under our skin. That's right. right. The chips like, are coming. It, yeah. So, uh, but YouTube is... Is, is a beautiful platform for people to ex- express themselves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people have done a very good job in creating a teenage and children audience okay. on YouTube. For example, I don't understand slime. Slime. Slime videos, sure. right? Like, or a lot, of, a lot of kids are intrigued with unboxing new toys. Unpackaging They'll the toys, yeah. They'll watch someone else yeah. unbox new toys. Like, that, that does not make sense, but it does in another sense because kids get the joy of watching a fresh new toy being opened and they imagine, that imagine, that dream of like having this new toy and playing with it, right? So they're intrigued by It's almost like they're living vicariously through this other person opening the box and, and, and 
analyzing the new toy. Yeah, it's it's just the, it's exactly the same as when my mom brought a VHS of Michael Jordan and him flying and shooting and doing fadeaways, and I'm sitting at the TV, this big plasma TV with a huge behind it's super heavy tv old school yeah watching him and all i'm just mesmerized and i'm, I'm thinking i gotta have black skin and i gotta have that red yeah. chicago bulls jersey and i'm imagining myself flying like that it's exactly the same but for youtube right so kids are literally imagining themselves opening this box you know work playing with the slime like it's it is the next cable so is there is there a revenue stream to be made on youtube can people make money being YouTubers. They can, but it's, it's difficult now. Okay. It's, it's getting, as the years go on, it just gets difficult more. Is that because it's saturated? Correct, yeah. So everyone, people see it, it's easier to, to buy a video camera, it's easier to make videos now. Yeah. Um, it, it's getting to that point for being that platform. Okay. So, and YouTube knows this, so they've created new guidelines on having a minimum of a certain amount of subscribers and a certain amount of views before you can make revenue now. Okay. Before, it wasn't like that. Right. Before, you could have any number of following mm-hmm. and any number of views and still make a little bit. Okay. So I was back in 2013 and 2012 when I was making videos. I still have, like, I don't know, it's like a buck fifty on my YouTube, on my YouTube page okay. from those videos. I made a dollar fifty or two dollars. They didn't get many views, but... Now that's not the case. Now you have to have 10,000 subscribers minimum, and you have to have 5,000 hours watched on your page okay. to even be at the stage to even qualify. So you still can make, but it's very, very difficult. You know, you have to you have to start. You know, there has to be a very big audience before you actually can see it as a full-time career. And that's just the same thing with anything, right? Like you have to build it. It'll take years, and that's what's difficult with the creative works, right? People don't people. People who are artists or creatives, they want it now. Especially millennials, they want it now. They want everything now. Sure. They want to be CEO now. They want to own their own business now. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that how, really, really how difficult it is. You really have to think that I'm not going to be successful for the next five years, but I still have to, I still have to put in that amount of effort right. to, even, to even, even compete. Right. Yeah, so. That's a perfect segue to, to the next topic, which is, Outside of the musical world, outside of Cassius, yeah. okay, so that's your musical identity, what else is Oma doing currently? Yeah. What else are you involved in right now? So, currently working on videos. Yeah. You know, I work full-time for a marketing agency. So there's two areas, right? You've started your own, your own company called Q Films, yeah. and, and you're working for a company called Magnolias Consulting. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about those two worlds. So Q Films was started way back in the day when I started videos, and that was more of a freelancing thing. Okay. And it still kind of is, you know. Um, that was, I really wanted to get into video. I started my own TV show tried starting my own TV show back in the day called The Heroes Journey. A huge risk. It was a huge risk. Healthy risk. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I did that was, again, to get myself out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I have no idea about video. I have no idea about cameras. I have no idea about film. Who's this guy trying to make a TV show? But I I needed to put my... I needed to put really high, high expectations on myself in order to push myself and network with those people and get those people, learn the cameras, learn the techniques, do things that... I would never have imagined, right? You know, it's not just picking up a camera and going. You got to know technicals. You got to know. So that's kind of how Q Films kind of segued in because people started asking me for videos. I was doing my own music videos, 
doing my own comedic skits. And people, you know, hey, Omid, can you come and shoot this? Hey, Omid, I have an event. Hey, Omid, I have a wedding, right? My first wedding that I shot, I brought five of my friends to come help me. Yeah. That's, that's one story that no one knows. Right. I made no money. It was free. Yeah. I somehow convinced four of my friends to come through with me. And it was at Vaughn's Steakhouse okay. on White Ave. Yeah. It was a very, very small wedding. They didn't even want a video. Okay. They didn't want one. I said, I'll come and do a video for you. And uh, it was my first video, and I had no idea what the, what the hell I was doing. But I needed that. Yeah. And long story short, Q Films, I still have, you know, clients that come to me for that. And I still do that, and I have people that I work with that do those jobs. Right. And then with Magnolias, I kind of got picked up uh, around last year. And uh, they really liked my videos. And they, they told me, and they wanted to build a video department. Okay. And uh, I decided to take the risk. Actually, at that point, I was, I was actually in a pretty dark place at that point. Mm-hmm. Because that whole, the year before, I was just trying to push Q Films and put Q Films. And I was doing side jobs, and I was doing other stuff to try to make some revenues, try to make some money after, after university. And then in my head, I was like, okay, well, if I can't find anything here and if this isn't working because it was a year of me doing this I'm going to go to LA my buddy lives in San Diego and I was like okay well if I really want to push this and all this entertainment all this stuff that I like is in a bigger city I just want to go I want to go and do it if he's there I can still I can reduce the risk of living with him and kind of going and exploring my options there being in a more more in an environment that's more captivating correct for that type of work and then it's so funny because I had many, many conversations with him, hours on the phone. We set up all these logistics and everything. He had a, he had a room for me. He had a car for me. Yeah. Uh, and he was ready. He was so coming this here. This is a good friend. This is a very he, He's good got friend. your back. He had my back. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to come visit my family who lives in Edmonton. Yeah. And then we're going to go together. Okay. Like, book your plane ticket for the exact same time, and we're going to go. You're going to fly back together. So it's all planned out. It was planned you guys out. Are, you guys are dialed in, ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Guess what happened? You I got, got the call. job. <laughs> I got a call from Magnolias the week he flew in. Yeah. And I had, I had sent hundreds of resumes. I had, I had walked into other marketing agencies. And I pitched myself. And I, and I walked into other companies trying to find something with video because I really enjoy it. And nothing worked. Not, nobody really gave me a call back. And then Magnolias called and said, hey, we'd love to have you in for an interview. So I go, I go in, and I had no expectations. I was like, okay, this is going to be, it might not be what I'm thinking. Like, whatever. Let's just go in and see what it is. Yeah. They liked my work. They said, out of seven vid- videographers that we've interviewed, we like you the best. We like your work the best. Yeah. Can you come see our client tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Okay. And we'll set up, we'll make a job contract for you and just come see our client and, and see if we can work something out. I said, okay, sure. Yeah. Since then, it was just like, it was, it was a good fit, and yeah. it's, it's going. Yeah. And then my, my buddy that came, came in that weekend, yeah. he assumed that I was going with him. Right. And I had to awkwardly have that conversation. I said, listen, man, like, I actually got a job right. doing videos. Right. And he that? was, he, you could tell he was pissed, yeah. right? He was like, man, like, I thought that you were going to come. Yeah, like he got excited. Up. He was very excited. So 
he was a little, it was a very awkward conversation, but I had to, I had to tell him, listen, man, like I'm going to do this. And, and and now have you talked with him? Like, has he seen kind of what you're doing now? And he did, he has. Able to see like, okay, maybe that, that, that crossroads led to a good place. It did. Yeah. So he's seen the commercials, the commercials that I worked on. He's seen the, the videos, the clients that I work with. Right. So he, he sees those things because, you know, video is very expressive. It's, it's, I have to put it online and I have to showcase that for, to, to attract other, other clients and whatnot. So, um, he sees that and he, he, he's, he's happy for me. But he's like, you know, whenever you need, yeah. I'm here. He still wants you to go to LA. Yeah. <laughs> he's still like, hey man, like, it's there. There's nothing wrong with that. That one, that, 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 that room is still there. It's he, still empty I for mean, you. That, that's a great friend to have. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Super Bowl commercial. Commercials, plural. That's kind of a big deal, yeah. right? That's kind of a big deal in the video world. And, and there's also, I know the story, but the audience might not know the story. Yeah. So, so I'm going to ask you a question and kind of set you up here. Yeah. How did you get it? And, and how, what was the process of making it? What was the process of execution? Mm. Share that with us. So one thing I got to say is it wasn't just me. Right. You know, we have a, an amazing team at Magnolias. And, you know, shout out to Jared, shout out to Yusuf, shout out to all those guys um, that have built such a great agency. You know, I feel like we're the best agency in Edmonton. And I truly believe that. We have so many genuine people, so many skilled people. And, um, you know, Jared is a great leader for us. And without him, the, the, the commercial wouldn't have happened. A week before the Super Bowl, so we're in a WhatsApp group with, yeah. with their marketing team. Okay. And so a week before the Super Bowl, it's Friday night, it's my birthday dinner. And, you know, you were there. Um, I'm getting these messages saying, oh, like, you know, what are we doing for the Super Bowl? What are the promotions? What are the events? And one of the guys says, actually, we have 15 se- two 15-second slots on CTV during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Our team's like, listen, we'll do, we'll do a couple videos for you. And if you guys like it, use it. If you don't, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. We'll use it as social media videos. Like, oh, no, but we have to hand it in Monday morning to CTV. Right. So you this have, is- You have 48 hours. Correct. To, to- to get a nice project, Super Bowl worthy. Correct. A, a, com- a commercial. Yeah. Like, I've never done that before. Right. So this was like, and actually to be honest, and I have to be very honest here, I was not the most confident. Yeah. It was one of those things that I didn't really believe that even if we did create this video, yeah. that they would even consider using it. Right. And so I had, a, I had a very deep talk with Jared and I was like, listen, like I don't know where this is going. And I really kind of tried to get that expectation off my shoulders and kind of throw it at him yeah. and say, hey, I don't know if this is going to be quali- like commercial quality. Okay. I don't think I'm there yet. And? And, and, you know, he threw it back at me and said, listen, we're a team. We're going to do this together and we're going to make something worthy. And he was the one who kind of... Which is, which is brilliant leadership, by yeah. the way. Good, good for Jared. Yeah. And, and also you'd never know until you tried. <laughs> Yeah, just so gotta try we, it, right? never, none of us have been in that position yeah. before. And so when we, we spent a couple hours on Saturday and we planned out the storyboard, we wrote the script, we kind of, we, we messaged people to, to be a part of it. We got one of the guys from CBH to bring some of their friends volunteering their time to be there in, in front of the video. They weren't you had, actors. You had the extras. The extras, okay. right? And then sat, Sunday from 7 in the morning till 1 o'clock at night. Seven, okay, so that's a long day. 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. 
me, Jared, and Yusuf went out and we, and Matt, which is one of the guys there, and we went and took all these shots. And we, we, would, we would go, shoot, come back, and transfer the footage. Yusuf would edit a little bit, set it up for me. We'd go back to another Canadian brew house, shoot again. Yeah. And so it was a very, very long day, but it, was, it, it, it turned out into this beautiful thing because by 1 o'clock in the morning, we had three versions. Right. You had three final products. Three final sure. products, essentially within a day. And I was like holy like this this is actually pretty decent and then yeah so they ended up using both so it was a very i didn't really feel it until we that sunday the next sunday sat and we watched it we were all i didn't even care about the game you know the game was great but i didn't care and i was like i'm waiting for my videos to and when they came up i was just overwhelmed like this was this was me i shot this i directed it i edited this I orchestrated this, so that gave me the confidence, like, yo, I can do Well, the, the beautiful thing is that, like, Yusuf, Matt, Jared, and you yeah. did this in 48 hours. Yeah. That's a very tight timeline for, for a high-level product. Yeah. And you got it done, and it was selected. I think, to a degree, we have to acknowledge that the work ethic and drive and habits that you have before that led to the ability to do that and get it done, right? So, so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. What, what, you know, you, you have some influences in your life that we've talked about before. If you had to pick two or three, you know, biggest influences in your life, who are they? And the follow-up is why? Well, biggest influences, my parents for sure. Okay. I mean, those are, those, those, those are a given. Sure. What did they give you? We, we know the basics, food, shelter, water. Yeah. But what else did you get from mom? My, my father was, my father and mother are a little bit opposite. Yeah. So my dad is a military guy and he's very strict. He's very strategic. Okay. It's very like linear path type of guy. Okay. And so the expectations from the get-go were like high. And okay. he would do anything in his power to make me feel bad in order for me to fuel that into yeah. ambition. So at the time, I didn't understand it. At the time, I felt like he was picking on me. At the time, I felt, he, at certain cases, he's a bully. Yeah. And like, I hated yeah. my father. You might have resented it. I did. Yeah. I did at, at certain times. You know, I went to Concordia for a year, right after high school. And I, I wanted to take a year off, because I wanted to figure things out. You wanted a gap year? I wanted a gap year. Eldest son of an Afghani family, you wanted a gap year? Best of luck. Yeah. So it didn't happen, right? It, it didn't happen. And the only, the only time I could apply like, uh, I, missed the, I missed the applications for U of A Grand Mac, right. long gone. Right. Concordia had an extended period of time where you could apply, okay. and they wanted students. So I ended up going to Concordia, and uh, every single day my dad would, when I would come home, he would say, oh, how was high school all over again? Right. Every single day. I'll never forget. Every single day he would say, oh, you know, so-and-so's son is... At the U of A, you know, he's studying med. He's, he's, he's got his own lab. He's doing this. He's doing this. Yeah. And it was like, at the time, it was a, so pestering. Yeah. I really hated him for it. But that ended up leading me. So all I was thinking about was, I need to get straight A's. I need to get straight A's at Concordia. And next year, I have to go to the U of A. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Okay. All I thought about every single day was basketball at the time. Not really creative work because it was first year. And it was like, I need to prove my dad wrong. I need to prove my dad wrong. I need to prove my dad wrong. And every single day. And, I, and that was, I had the straight A's. 
And I came home one day, and I just slapped it on the table. Yeah. And I said, here. He didn't care. Yeah. Like, he didn't care. He's like a typical brown, like, didn't care. Yeah. It was all A's on that sheet, all A's. I was like, by the way, I'm going to uh, U of A next year. And for me, I felt very like, ha, I got you back. You felt vindicated. I felt vindicated. Yeah. But for him, it worked. That was, that was what he wanted. So, so the military strategist succeeded. Correct. It worked. And I, didn't, I fell through. I didn't even understand. He he's on a different frequency. Like he he's in a different place. place. Different place. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Right. He, was, right. he, was the, he was the chess player. Like he knew. He was just like, yeah, sure. I do this, this, this. It's just going to lead him to this. It sounds like you get a lot of high standards, drive, and strategy from your father. Yeah. Yeah, because the expectations were there, and, uh, and that led me to in enjoying right. being ambitious. Right. I enjoy... How about your mom? What do you get from my mom? My mom is the opposite, so she's a huge supporter in everything that I do. So even when I started with the rapping, the filming, um, the, 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 the support that I needed when I needed to talk to someone or say something, or, you know, vent... She was like, listen, it's okay. Listen, what you're doing is fine. You know, it was the other side. It was like devil angel. Yeah. You know, the devil angel was like, and you need, I needed certain doses of that in order to feel good about myself. Um, but the biggest one was my father because that was like, I need to prove this guy wrong. I need to, I, I, I need to be on another level. And, and my father, Till this day, he, he wakes up at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. He walks to work every single day, even in the wintertime. He walks back. My mom is the one who drives to work and comes back. And he has that routine down. He's very organized with his life. He under... And I've always admired about that, about my father, because I'm not very organized. I haven't been very organized. So trying to learn from him has always been something for me. Okay. Um, Number two, I think, biggest one is you, okay. you know, influence-wise, because meeting you and seeing what you've been doing with, you know, balancing, you know, family life, you know, balance is such a big thing that I want to learn and understand that it's okay to take a rest. It's okay to recharge. It's okay to, it's okay to have time with family. Yeah. You don't always have to be grinding. You don't always have to be working on projects. And I, as a young guy who's just trying to push boundaries, it's tough to understand that. And I'm trying to do things that I want to do, but then understanding that side of things. And you can still be successful if you, if you do other things that aren't related to your business. Understanding that and, and learning that from you and, and, and having conversations with you that, that I couldn't have with anyone else. You know, intellectually and, and, and you being years ahead of me and, and, and understanding where I am in, in my place, but also but also saying, hey, listen, like, this isn't really a good idea. Or even giving me support in, in you, know, uh, you know, when I wanted to start a project or I wanted to do a performance, you making connections for me and helping me and guiding me, saying, hey, listen, I think this person would be great or I, I think this project is, it, it should be like this and putting your two cents in, giving me a secondary perspective that other people would just be like, hey, man, that's cool, do your thing, you know, pat on the back and just kind of like, letting you go um that's been the biggest influence and seeing what you're doing like just doing your thing just continues to inspire me because because i want to be like that i do want to be able to juggle things very very well so and then a third i think there isn't really a third really i think the third would be 
the people that I admire that are virtual, people that are the Kobe Bryant's, you know, J. Cole. Icons. Icons. Okay, um, I don't, okay so who, who's on the icon list? We've got Kobe and J. Cole. Who else? Kobe, J. Cole. You mentioned Cole. Michael Jordan earlier, so let's Michael put him Jordan, on the list. Michael Jordan, yeah, of course. Okay, keep going. Um, Arnold. Arnold. Arnold is, is huge because he was successful in three different areas. Very successful. Very successful, yeah. right? And okay. wasn't just like making a mark. He made a huge dent in everything that he did. Right. Um, which is insanely inspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, logic. Logic, you know, a guy that it doesn't fit the rap criteria. He's not a gangster. Right. You know, kind of very kind of nerdy person, personality. Emotional. Emotional. Yeah. You know, putting his heart on, the sl- on his mm-hmm. sleeve. I can relate to that. In a, in, in, a, in a certain extent. Sure, real. Um, He's in a real relationship. Real. He has mental health concerns, right? This is, these are realities we face. Yeah. Okay. Um, who else? The Rock, obviously. I mean, the, the Rock. is crazy, okay. right? One of the biggest influences in our world right now. Yeah. The Rock. You know? Okay. What, do, what do you get from The Rock? As busy as the dude is, yeah. he's still able to find time to work out. Okay. You know? And I always think about that health-wise. Yeah. I want to be in great shape. Yeah. I want to you know, have that. And I've always wanted to be in great shape, but I've never have been. Okay. So a guy like that who wakes up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, gets a run in and then comes back to eat and then goes back to work out again and then goes back on a 12 hour movie set mm-hmm. and then does it all over again. Right. How can I have an excuse with my life yeah. if that dude is just crushing it? Right. So that's, and it's, that's like, like we all say we don't have time, mm-hmm. but like a guy like that, yeah. if, if he has time to lift, you have no excuse, even getting 40 minutes in. <laughs> no, no reason not to, no. right? Okay, I want to ask you uh, a few, few hard-hitting questions here, maybe really quickly sure. as we wrap things up. Yeah. Um, let's start, start easy here. Yeah. Where is Cassius going to be in 10 years? Uh, 10 years... I see myself still touring, going on tour, uh, doing live performances, uh, possibly doing some movies, um, you know, doing, my, doing the things that I love and doing it on a huge scale, you know, so I see that. Beautiful. Comment on our society and where it's going to be in 10 years. In what sense? We're in a very different time of change right now where computers, technology, internet, the world is getting smaller. We can interact with people all over the world very, very quickly. FaceTime, artificial intelligence, virtual reality. And the technological growth is exponential. It's not linear. It's good. So yeah. anything, I think that whatever we think we're going to see in 10 years, it's going to be a million times beyond that. Yeah. So, so let me ask you some easy ones. Are robots taking over in 10 years? I wouldn't say 10 years. No. I think a little longer than that. Okay. I think eventually it will. Okay. I think there's, it's already happening in a sense, but I don't think they're going to take over. Okay. I think that there will be a lot of AI influence, okay. right? A lot of things will be automated. Yeah. You know, I don't think you know, cashiers have a limited amount of time. I think in 10 years, I don't think there will be right. many cashiers. You already see a superstore. There's six virtual tellers yeah. instead of there humans, won't be, right? There yeah. won't be, you know, customer service will be automated. You know, you won't, you won't need to talk to a human being to get your problem solved. Yeah. I think that's already happening. Okay. I think um, automation, I think, for, for a lot of sense, I think, 
I think one thing that hasn't been tapped in is the cooking industry. You know, you have to go home and cook your own meals. For now. For now. But I think in 10, 15 years, I think there will be a robot or some sort of thing that will be able to cook and clean for you. Uh, maybe not in 10 years, but it'll be some sort of prototype will be there. Is the world population in 10 years larger or smaller than it is now? I would say larger, yeah. Larger? Yeah. Okay. Are people still eating meat in 10 years? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. <laughs> I'm surprised I think, you said that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, when you hear the expression musical icon, first person that comes to mind? Jay-Z. Why? Because he's huge. I mean, it's not a wrong answer. It's, 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 a, it's a, for him, it's, it's not just the influence he has in music. You know, the music allowed him to own multiple businesses and allow opportunities that, as a black male from essentially the ghetto, could reach. You know, guys like Diddy, guys like, you know, guys that are businessmen now, right? They're not just thinking 50 Cent. Like, these are guys that, they, maybe now you could say that their music doesn't really hit and they're not influencing the music industry. But behind closed doors, they have businesses. They have, you know, they're we're working on stuff that, that you might not see at the limelight of how music is. Sure. So I think... He's certainly one of the guys in our lifetime that has pushed the mold and allowed for others behind him or younger than him to follow kind of in his, his footsteps. Yeah. And there will be others that, that constantly push the mold. Yeah. But he certainly, in our, in our journey, he's been something we've seen he's, make it happen. Yeah, especially from not just, like I said, it's not just the music. Yeah. You know, he, he, he took that and he hopped onto other ventures. Right. And I really, like, I really like seeing that because it's, you know, music is such a creative thing, mm -hmm. but but the business side and the entre entrepreneurial route that you need to take and be smart enough to take yeah. and be able to be successful in it mm -hmm. is a whole different beast, right? right? It's, you can be a basketball player in the NBA and ball is life and all you know is ball, mm -hmm. but then what happens after that? Mm -hmm. What happens in the next 20 years of your life? What are you going to do, right. right? Are you just chilling on the beach and... You know, drinking mojitos. And well, you're going to tune into the Tunnel Vision podcast to learn about life after Absolutely. school. That's what you're going to Absolutely. Absolutely. Tunnel Vision <laughs> podcast is coming up. So, Okay, so, so if, you, if you, last, last question, question. If, if you could pick one person, alive or passed away, to be your next guest on the second floor. Oh, man. Who would it be? Oh, man. Alive or dead? Anybody, Anybody you want. If you could pick. I mean, it's a tough question because there's a lot. Okay. But to have as a next guest someone that I would see probably, um, I mean, Tupac comes to mind. Tupac. Okay. Tupac comes okay. to mind for sure because he would be someone I would love to pick his right. brain and just the things that he's did, sure. especially someone that, that sure. has such a crazy Sure. Disruptive, dichotomous, hip-hop icon for yeah. sure. Who are the other names that were rattling around in your head Kobe, when I asked sure. that question? So Kobe, Hawk, who else? Um, Bill, Gates, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, guys that aren't part of the music industry yeah. or culture, but would love to pick their brain because I, I love their, their, their come up. Yeah. 
and I would be like, how, why did you do certain things? Why were there certain behaviors right. that you did on your come up to creating Apple right, or right. creating Microsoft? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, a lot right. you know. Yeah, we can go on and on for hours on about on, that. But those that's are the a, people That's a right tough now. question, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap things up today? Well, I think the last thing I'm going to share is, is attack your fears. Yeah. Yes. If anything, yeah. if anyone gets anything out of this is, is to attack your fears head on. And it's okay to be a fool. Right. It's okay to look, look, look dumb. Beautiful. Because I, I've been in many situations where I look dumb. Sure. And yeah, you, you stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to wrap it up with uh, choose excitement over fear. Choose excitement choose over fear. Like you've, you've got there. So. Yeah. Listen, Omid, we're, we're wrapping things up here. Thank you very much for your energy this morning. Amazing answers. Very sincere. Very raw. I knew a lot of these answers before, but the audience doesn't. And, and I learned something new along the way, too. So thank, thank you for having me. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. It. Yeah. Cheers. Appreciate it.